Welcome to Sparkplug, where we talk to smart people working at the intersection of business and technology. Brought to you by Snowshoe, making mobile locations smarter. Welcome to part one of a two-part interview with Trevor Sumner, CEO of Perch. Trevor Sumner is the CEO of Perch, a recognized leader in in-store product engagement marketing, interactive retail displays, and augmented reality. Perch was named a top tech company to watch by Forbes and has won numerous Clio, Fast Company, Edison, Bloomberg, and Digi Awards. Trevor's superpowers are understanding technology and driving the evolution of new technologies into broad market adoption. Trevor is regularly cited in industry media such as Mashable and TechCrunch and Forbes and Business Insider, and we're happy to have him on Sparkplug today. So welcome, Trevor. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ned. Good to be here. Thanks so much for being here, Trevor. So will you start by telling us about yourself? You seem to have a lot of passions and interests from e-commerce to high-performing teams, the evolution of new tech, and even scuba diving. Yes. Well, I'm a born and raised New Yorker. I grew up on Washington Square Park. If you ever saw the movie, I Am Legend, I grew up in that house with the stairway onto Washington Square Park. So I think my entrepreneurial journey began, you know, just growing up in New York City with, you know, the, the gay rights movement and the, the skateboarders versus the b-boys and, you know, everything really kind of happening right in front of my doorstep. And, you know, I, I lived in Austin for a little while and I moved back and people said, why? Because Austin's a great town. And I missed walking in traffic and having a couple thousand people come at me every single day. And so, you know, I, I, I consider myself somebody who yearns for a lot of experiences. So like you mentioned, I'm an adventure traveler and scuba diver. I've scuba dived in every continent, including Antarctica. Uh, I've scuba dived with my wife in the most shark infested waters in the world off Cocos Island in Costa Rica. And I think as part of that, you know, kind of adventure streak, I, you know, I graduated from Princeton with a computer science degree in 1998. So that's the height of the first internet boom. So what do you do? You go to the adventure area of the industry, which was tech startups. And I've known tech startups for the past uh, 20 some odd years. And uh, just, you know, kind of love the feeling of, you know, a new challenging space, being the underdog, so much stuff coming at you at all times, uh, building you know, high-performing teams that change industries and new technologies that wow people. And uh, so, you know, that's what I've, I've spent my career on, working with great people on interesting problems on next generation technologies and services. And so that's, that's, that's a little bit about me. Right. Well, that's absolutely fascinating. Can you jump forward a little bit to tell us about your current work at Perch? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of focus on the disruption of retail, which is a $4 trillion industry. And you know, people forget that 85% of transactions still occur in store. There's a lot of hype about e-commerce, but the reality is that in-store retail is growing faster on a dollar basis than e-commerce and has every year except for 2020 which was an anomaly, right? So for example, Target's in-store efforts are growing five times as fast as e-commerce on a dollar basis this year. And so the problem is in-store shopping looks a lot like it has 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, in fact, the origin of the word store is that used to just store the products on the shelves. And that's what you see when you go to a grocery store is just shelves with storage of products and you are 
you know, the stock picker. And the reality is there's different consumer expectations these days with people want ratings, reviews, videos, how-tos, they want to do research. And to date, the only way brands can get that message out has been really digitally before they go into the store. So the store has been this black box. And so we've been really thinking deeply about how do we create a combination of physical and digital shopping experience in the store that takes the best of both worlds? And you know, online, it's really easy to find information about a product. You just click on it. And it turns out that what we've discovered and what we patented is the fact that that click in store is the moment that you pick up a product. The moment you pick up a product, that's like clicking on it. It's like, tell me about this product. And you can't depend on packaging and four-point print to get your message across. You've got videos, you've got Instagram influencers, ratings, reviews, this product goes with that product, it's different colors, shapes, sizes, all these types of things. And ironically, only 1% of digital media spend is spent where those 85% of transactions occur. So we're trying to change that. And the way we do that is by using computer vision and touch screens in store. And the cameras detect which products you touch. So So when you click on it, it just wakes up like Minority Report and starts telling you about the product. And by doing that, you know, shoppers get the information that they need and they end up converting at about 30 to 180% higher rates. You see sales that's about 30 to 180%. Brands get to connect more meaningfully with shoppers and get, you know, stand out in, in a competitive retail environment where there could be hundreds or thousands of products on the shelf. And retailers can start increasing dwell time, creating a differentiated experience, and even promoting those e-commerce and omni-channel offerings like mobile loyalty or endless aisle so that, you know, oh, you want this product and you want it in red? Well, we don't have it in red in the store, but yes, you can order it here. And so we think that the future of the shelf isn't just throwing products on top of it. It has to be a combination of merchandising and digital marketing and media and customer engagement in these new interesting ways. And then the other interesting thing about it, which we could talk about is once you start instrumenting those clicks at retail, we are discovering that people shop in completely different ways than decades of, of, of norms have told us they do. And so we can look at how pricing, packaging, and content changes shopper behavior. So super exciting. Uh, we work a lot with brands like Johnson Johnson and Unilever and Nestle Purina um, and you know bigger department stores, uh, electronics retailers, uh, baby, pet, beauty. Uh, so uh, it's an exciting time because everybody is invested in the reimagination of re- retail. So it sounds like you're bringing the benefits of e-commerce, including product discovery, to the brick and mortar shopping experience. Yep. Uh, can you t- yeah, can you tell us more about how shoppers are embracing that vision? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that you know we've tried to push these notions on shoppers, you're like, oh, give us your phone number and we're going to text you. Uh, scan a QR code, right? And, and and we can talk about how QR codes now in a post-COVID world, everyone's used a QR code, great, because of menus. And even grandmas had to use a menu you know, at the restaurant. Well, the reality is they're still not really using it at retail. Um, anything that requires teaching a new behavior, you see like 95% drop off. So we have all these tools, right? But consumers and shoppers haven't really embraced them without a really big incentive. So this is why... Yeah, retailers have all launched new loyalty programs, giving more and more money away or doing premium type offerings, like even CVS Care Pass, right? You, you spend, I think it's $5 a month and you get $10 in discounts, plus you get 20% off all their generic products, right? 
big incentives. Target's Red Circle, you get 2% cash back on your purchases because they want to get that data. And so you've got to create these carrots because you're creating friction with the shopper. I think the best technologies are the ones that are invisible, that are seamless to the shopper where you don't have to teach new things. And that's like people already pick up products. So that's the trigger for us. And what we see from an engagement perspective is about five to 10x the engagement from shoppers uh, in terms compared to you know, traditional digital signage. And you know, traditional digital signage shows about one to 4% sales lift. We show 10x that, right? At 30 to 180%. So you know, we're seeing shoppers engage in all these kind of interesting new ways. One of the things that we love, one of our favorite things to watch is when people pick up a product and they realize, oh my God, the screen just woke up. And, and it's starting to tell me about the product, this magical experience just happened. They pull out their phones and they start touching the other products and they they send it to their friends and and they smile, right? And I think one of the things that I'd like to do for the long term is actually just measure the number of smiles we generate in retail because part of this is about you know, really leaning into what is a key experience for the shopper, which is this in-store discovery experience, which actually you hit. It's like, you know, people talk about how great e-commerce is because, you know, it's just easy, right? I can, it's, it's really good for buying. If I know what I want, I click purchase, it shows up at my door, but it's kind of soulless, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've, you know, people are like, imagine this great world where anytime you want something, you can just think about it, buy it, it shows up at your door. We just had that for the last year and a half during COVID. It was terrible, right? Yeah, right. People, people yeah. weren't very happy with it. I think, I think you're touching on, besides just discovery, the idea of context and understanding the context of what you're doing. So when I go into a bookshop that I visit regularly, the store owner or the store clerk knows exactly what kind of books I'm interested in. They know what I've picked up recently, what I've talked about. And so they can contextualize a new book within that environment. And I have some background in providing context through sensors. That's kind of what you're doing for Perch, that you're providing the context of this person picked this thing up. So maybe they provide this other thing. So so can you speak a little bit to like the, the context that you're providing to to the user shopping experience. Yeah, so there's there, there there is a multi-billion dollar shift to digital signage in store happening right now, right? Again, 1% of digital media spend is happening where 85% of transactions occur, and arguably that media is best spent in store because it's lower down in the purchase funnel. Like I'm I've got the products right in front of me, I'm 20 feet from the point of sale, right? So the, the challenge is a lot of the people you know are are implementing it in a way that's more like a banner ad. If you remember the banner ads of old, right? It's it's interruptive media. It's blinky text saying maybe it's Maybelline, maybe it's Maybelline, maybe it's Maybelline. It's like well, great. What's the question, right? Like like you know I'm trying to figure out how to pick up a product, right? So now, now they're using some technologies like front facing cameras to say, hey, you know Trevor is a 45 year old male. And so we're going to do this message for Trevor versus a, a Gen Z woman or et cetera. But, you know, if you think about which signals are important, you know, would you rather know, hey, there's a 45-year-old male in front of you or, hey, this person is picking up, you know, uh, a puppy product or puppy toy for age, you know, puppy six to 12 months. And, and you know exactly what I'm looking for. And now you can market puppy products all around. So, you know, we think that, just kind of like when you click on a product online, right? The best thing to do is to provide information about the product, not to just extrapolate 
I know he clicked on a product, but like, let's just show him generic 45 year old male messaging. And so I think there's going to be a real battle as people implement these digital signage networks in store to not create a Times Square like experience that detracts from the physical shopping and tries to interrupt you and say, buy one, get one free. Or what about this new product? What about that new product? But actually be like, hey, seems like you're interested in this product. Let me provide you some more information and be helpful. And and that seamless integration between the best of physical shopping and digital is going to be critical um, to, to, I think, providing differentiated experiences and not turn your store into Times Square and annoy the shoppers, even though brands will pay a lot of money to retailers to for that real estate. And I know you spoke a minute ago about maybe measuring the number of smiles that you're generating. So is that the business model of Perch, um, monetizing through smiles? Or well, if you can spell out the business model a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So we do platform as a service. So every one of our displays, we charge uh, X number of dollars per month, typically somewhere between $150 and $300 per month. And that includes the, the hardware leasing, the 4G service, the software, the analytics, and, and all of that. It's and the whole real deal that you're charging for. You aren't kind of uh, Chinese menuing it. You just get a full solution. Absolutely. And, and, and it's, it's super predictable, right? Because retail is a chaotic environment. You know, who knows? Somebody might punch a screen. You just call Perch and we replace it. And you don't have to pay anything. It's all, it's all, all covered. It's a predictable cost model. And, and, and we hang our hat on being able to drive that 30 to 180% sales left. So if, 30 to 180% sales left is worth that $150 to $300 a month. It makes sense for you to implement Perch. And because we're hanging our hat on sales, we mostly sell to brands who care about the sales of those products on the shelf. The reality is like many retailers, they don't really care if you sell more Purina or more, you know, you know, uh, another brand, you know, Blue Buffalo. They, they just care about the category left. Right. So, and the hidden little secret that, you know, the, for some reason, retailers try and keep secret is, is ultimately they always ask for the brands to pay for it. So we do work with some retailers who basically create this platform for brands, but then get the brands to pay for it. And so, you know, typically we're selling into brands who care about the data about what happens, who care about their sales lift and driving market share in kind of key categories where that equation of 30 to 180% sales lift is worth 150 to $300 a month. Very cool. Um, and can you give us a nutshell overview of competitors for Perch? Who else is doing this and where does Amazon Go fit in? Are they a future competitor? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great question. I, you know, again, we, we, we focus on selling to brands. So a lot of, you know, when you, when you look at retail tech as a sector, it's a lot of people selling into the retailer, right? So, you know, whether it's Amazon Go or those type of automated cashless checkout. There are a couple of different great startups in that area. I don't know if you call them startups when you raise you know three hundred million dollars, but apparently <laughs> you still do. Okay, uh, so uh, you know these unicorns that are still somehow startups. It's like it's a billion dollar company, but I'm a startup. Okay, sure. Um, anyway, so you know there's Standard Cognition, there's Grabongo, there's a bunch of these guys who are looking at automated checkout, and I think they're implementing the click for transactions. And to do that, you need a ton, a ton, a ton. Like they have cameras all over. Um, you know, uh, Amazon Go, for example, is a multi-million-dollar investment per store, right? And so you've got to get the retailer to really do that across category. And so that that's going to take a while. And additionally, I think you just need much greater accuracy for 
you know, catcherless checkout, right? You need five nines accuracy because nobody wants to be charged for something they didn't actually buy. Now for us, you know, we need two nines accuracy, right? Like if you pick up a product and the wrong thing comes up, like that's basically a cross sell anyway, right? Like that's fine. Like that thing. I picked up the blue shirt instead of the gray shirt. Not a big deal. Right. Exactly. Like you you picked up the blue shirt. Now we're cross. You'd like the blue shirt, buy a gray shirt too. Right. (laughs) So, um, uh, so, and, and additionally, you can implement this on a single end cap in the store. So it's a lot easier to start implementing it. So like, while Amazon Go, really exciting in terms of its capabilities, has only been implemented in pretty limited use cases. They're, Amazon just announced like they're going to enable their first Whole Foods. And they're, they're kind of tripling the size of the store that they can handle. But it's so expensive. You're just not going to see it at scale for a while. You know, purchase at scale now, right? You can implement an end cap to hundreds or thousands of stores right now and it'll work. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, going back to the question competitors. So like our focus is on really the people who are helping brands stand out at retail. So, you know, I think there's some interesting ones there. Some of the people are playing in that kind of digital signage space, creating programmatic networks, banner ad networks, if you will. I think cooler screens is a very, you know, like they're, They're taking the cooler door and making a giant like six foot screen. So you can see kind of what's in the cooler door, but overlaid with digital information. And they're doing a bunch of really cool AI and eye tracking stuff to do attribution. One of the biggest challenges in that model is just data. Like media, people are spending money on the media side of this house. They want data. You can't just say, oh, we served you up, you know, 10,000 times and here's the price. People don't buy by CPM anymore. They want to know how many engaged shoppers, what's the demographic breakdown, and what's my sales lift. And that's one of the bigger challenges. We find other competitors are just traditional digital signage, which I think is pretty terrible. Um, you know, uh, I think it's non-contextual, it's interruptive, um, it's annoying. Um, uh, I think uh, there are a bunch of people doing really cool stuff with it, though. Um, I just think, you know, our purchase just much more contextual. And then, I, you know, we're competing with, you know, any, any way that a brand is trying to stand out in store. Um, sometimes that could be mobile apps and mobile coupons and, and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but digitizing the in-store experience is such a massive, massive multi-trillion dollar market. There's plenty of room for experimentation and ROI across lots of different concepts. And so on that note, do you think that brick and mortar stores are leaning into the benefits of contextual product person connection enough in terms of marketing and the in-store experience, inventory? No, no, absolutely not. Not (laughs) Not even a little question. (laughs) Not even a little. I mean, look, I I think it's, it's especially been a hard year because right now with supply chain challenges and store closures, you know, what's it, retailers have had to focus there. And, 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 but this has been a real benefit because, you know, it used to be that stores didn't really fully know the inventory per store. They couldn't expose it. Product information was all over the place. And because of COVID and being able to offer like buy online, pick up in store, you need to know the products in store and you need to know the information about the product and standard ways around, you know, product, you know, image pricing, description, all that kind of commerce level stuff across and have that exposed across mobile and online and BOPIS and all these things. And so fundamentally over the last 18 months, retailers have built these kind of core foundational layers around product information, commerce, 
fulfillment options and making those services for the rest of the business that they can access and opening them up. And those foundational elements are now enabling us to digitize the in-store experience much faster because we don't have to worry about like, okay, well, where do, where do I send you if you want more information about the product? Like what, this QR code goes where, right? Like, okay, we, we have that. This product information that we need, product description or product price, how do we get access to it? it used to be like, well, it's complicated. Da, 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 da. No, now we've got it because we got it via API. So, you know, with 5G coming and the connected store, you know, Walgreens, you know, hooking up 5G in 9,000 stores this year, like that the, the connected store is becoming a reality because of these foundational layers. And we're starting to see them lean in. For retailers, it's a lot harder because they have to do it store wide and across category. For brands, this is becoming really easy because the cost of electronics, the reliability of them, the availability of the internet for management is now, you know, kind of helping and catalyzing this uh, this movement. So we're we're seeing brands lead the way for at least for us, and retailers kind of reluctantly kind of moving along because they've got so many competing priorities. That's really interesting. Um, so I don't know if you still consider Perch a startup. We do. Okay, we do. good. Yeah, you're, absolutely. You're in the cool we, kids group. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've, we're, we're pre-Series A, right? So, yeah. like, you know, we've been mostly kind of bootstrapping the business and growing organically. So, you know, no, 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 no billion-dollar valuation yet. Not yet. Well, so as a startup, so all startups fail at some point during those early years. Um, where has Perch failed? Any entertaining failures in your in your history? Yeah, I mean, I you know. You know, when you're so emotionally invested, uh, entertainment isn't really <laughs> the way you think of failure. Um, but, but you know, failure is highly encouraged uh, mm-hmm. at Perch in terms of, you know, we're, we're constantly stretching and trying to learn and create a learning organization. So failure has to be part of that. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I'm an advisor and angel investor to a bunch of different startups. And, and, and what I've found over the years is there are typically three stages of startup technology, technology startups and sophistication. And the first is let's get out a product that kind of works and proves the concept. And you put it out there, you validate it. And then you're like, okay, let me raise money. And then I'm going to build it to scale. Right. And that's like stage two. And so you build it to scale. You're like, I'm ready to take over the world. And you actually try and scale it. And then you realize you made a lot of bad assumptions and you got to re-architect it a third time. And if you're really, really good, you only do this three times, right? These three stages. Uh, right. A lot of it, a lot of startups do it four or five, maybe and, and six, you're probably in trouble, right? And so I think most of the failures that at Perch has been really just around kind of scale. And um, you know, when we first started off out, our, our hardware was too expensive. Our, you know, our content management system like was was minimal, right? So it's like little tech technology details. So like you know, for performance, we would load every video up and cache it on the device so that the moment you touch a product, it was like instantaneous videos ready to load, ready to go. Well, that's great until you have 90 products on the shelf and 90, you know, 4K videos. And all of a sudden, the hardware that you have is just like, you know, it's got the fan on, it's making a lot of noise, it's huffing, it's puffing. Chug, it's like, chug, chug, right? Yeah. It's not really working. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, okay, well, that doesn't work. Right. So now we've got to re-architect it to be able to, you know, do some interesting things around lazy loading and caching and et cetera. So we've had some failures where it's like, oh, this project is too big for us or in, in one dimension. It could be 
number of devices, it could be amount of content, it could be a variety of different things. Um, and uh, I don't know that any of that's really entertaining because, you know, ultimately, you know, it's our job to make sure that this, you know, works for our clients. They're making bets mm -hmm. on us and emerging technology. And, you know, we do really well just getting a trial in and converting it to larger scale rollouts. Like we have to be successful. Like failures are, are not an option. But, you know, some of it like, oh God, you know, some of the failures are just, you know, dependencies on third parties who just uh, kind of screwed us, right? Like, you know, we, 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 we integrate these electronics into the shelf and we were doing Herod's that, you know, uh, uh, with Beam Centauri. And it's this really beautiful fixture. And like, you know, this artist, you know, art, our artist type person comes in and, you know, he's like, well, I don't know if I like the aesthetic of this. I'm just going to move the camera three inches over there. And he didn't even tell us. It's like, whoa, 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 now the camera can't see, you know, two of the products. Like, what'd you do? And, and oh, it's going to be $10,000 to go back in, you know, move the thing. Da, 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 da. And like, well, why did, why? why? Why would you do this without telling this to us? And, you know, it's funny because it's so silly that two, three inches makes that difference. But it's not funny because it means that it doesn't work the way it needs to be. And, and I think about the hundreds of hours, literally hundreds of hours because this person made that decision. And, and it, it makes you think about, okay, well, we're, when it comes to in-store retail, when it comes to hardware, people are always scared of hardware. Part of the reason is because, you know, software is easy to change. You change a bit, doesn't work. Okay, you tell me about it, I'll change the bit back. Or da, 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 da. I, I'm oversimplifying, obviously. But hardware is hard, right? It's even got hard in the, in the word. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and when you start taking technology into the physical world, you start having physical world constraints. People who install these things. Shoppers, you know, who do these weird, weird things. Like we've had, we've, we've had people try and unscrew and get into our componentry to see if they're things that they can steal. That's, that's pretty unusual. We had, we, we had an employee steal one of our 4G hotspots, take it home and run their home network on it and drive like $2,000 in 4G bills because, <laughs> and, and, and we don't, we're not sure it's an employee, but we would guess just because of where the router was. Like it was, kind of in, a, in, in, in behind the counter, under the thing, in a shelf, like, you know, and it's just like, okay, welcome to the real world. <laughs> that concludes part one of our two-part interview with Trevor Sumner, CEO of Perch. Tune in next week for the second part of this fascinating discussion with a leader in brick and mortar retail technology. Thanks for listening today to the Spark Plug Podcast and brought to you by Snowshoe, snow.sh for smarter mobile location. Spark Plug is a wholly owned property of Snowshoe. All content, copyright, 2021, Spark Plug Media.